Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on email Friday, August the 12th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And today we're taking a very good email that we received from Pastor Dan Delzell, D-E-L-Z-E-L-L. He's the pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Papillion, Nebraska. And he really has a very good email uh, that we have received about the pressure of sin. What he talks about is we have a lot of pressures in the world today. We have health issues, relationship tensions, financial struggles. These place tremendous pressure upon all of us. But then he says, one particular source of pressure is rooted even deeper within us. And he says, I'm referring, of course, to the ever-present problem of sin. This little three-letter word packs quite a punch. Adam and Eve were perfect when God created them. But then they made the tragic choice to sin against their creator. And the spiritual disease of sin has been passed down from parents to children ever since. The Apostle Paul writes about that when he's writing to Christians in Ephesus, and he describes their spiritual condition prior to conversion. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. That's Ephesians 2, 1 to 2. And the lessons for this coming Sunday, uh, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, really do talk about that quite a bit. In Jeremiah 23, God is very angry at false prophets. And how can you tell a false prophet from a true prophet? A false prophet speaks according to the dreams that he has in his own mind, his own feelings, not what is in reality according to the word of God. If you are listening to a pastor and he says something that either you're confused about or you don't understand, always ask him, because the sheep judge the shepherds, always ask him, are you sure that's what God says? Then listen to him. He should be able to quote a Bible verse, as I just did from Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, that we used to live according to the ways of the world. And the ways of the world also refer to the ways of Satan, and they are found within our old Adam. Now, what Pastor Delzell talks about is his wife underwent surgery when it became necessary to remove and replace a herniated disc in the lower part of her neck. It was putting pressure on the nerve roots 
next to her time, spinal core. After initial remedies failed to relieve the pain, she went and had surgery, was blessed with a terrific surgeon and a successful surgery. The neck pain and the pressure are now completely gone. So the pastor uses that as an example, that sin does something similar because it places spiritual pressure upon the nerves of our soul. This real pressure can make us numb to the Lord's will for our life. You see, we were not created to live for sin. We were created for the glory and honor of our creator. The word sin can often mean to miss the mark of God's holy standard. It reminds us of a archer shooting an arrow at a target. Well, what does it mean that he sins? He not only misses the bullseye, he misses the entire target. It falls to the ground ahead of the target. That's missing the mark. And we do confess that we have sinned, not only in our actions, but also in our thoughts and words. And if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, uh, you can take the sin against the fifth commandment, murder, or the sixth commandment, adultery, and Jesus makes very clear that the consequences of that sin, whether it's a sin of action, a thought, or a word, are all equal, eternal damnation, apart from repentance of that sin. Most pastors can tell you about how many congregations feel the guilt and the pressure that sin produces within the various members. Isaiah 48, verse 22, talks about the consequences of sin. There is no peace for the wicked. Now, we have to understand what that word peace means. See, this is the purpose of a pastor, to explain not only the original languages of Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic that the Bible is written in, but also the English. What is Jesus talking about when he says there is no peace for the wicked? Well, if you take a look at that word peace, you'll find it in a number of places in the Bible. The shepherds say to the shepherds at the birth of Jesus, peace be unto you. And when Jesus rises from the dead and appears to his disciples in a closed room, what's the first word he says? Peace. He's not talking about worldly peace. We're still going to endure sufferings and griefs because this is the realm of Satan. And he always tries to hurt us by his temptations or by his accusations of our guilt. The peace of which Jesus and the angels were talking 
is the peace you now have with God the Father. You were in enmity against him because of your sin. But when Jesus died on the cross and paid for your enmity, he took upon himself the punishment of sins you and I should have received. And therefore, there is forgiveness. What is forgiveness? It is God saying, I am not holding you accountable for your sins. I am at peace with you. So even in the midst of all your problems, you can still believe, and that's why faith is so important, the promises that God is at peace within you. So God actually produces a restlessness to believers whenever we choose to engage in sin. Uh, how many times when you were a child did you disobey your parents? Did you rush to your mom and dad and say, you'll never guess what I just did? No, you try and keep it a secret. And you're always kind of worried that what you have done wrong, they will find out about because you fear their punishment. So also, God puts an inner restlessness in us that is actually a gift from God, that inner restlessness. We've talked about women who have put to death the babies in their womb, and they have a great restlessness for years after that. That restlessness is produced by God to help them realize what a sin they did in the killing of their babies. But then a pastor can give them comfort as he speaks that they can be at peace with God through faith and through their repentance. God's peace in our soul, he also places considerable pressure upon our heart and mind. And how many examples do you need? David after he sinned with Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet accused him of that sin, he felt miserable because he had committed murder and adultery against God. Here's how he speaks of it in Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, that is, he would not confess that sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. It was only when David repented of his sin and confessed it to the Lord that the pressure was lifted from his soul. Minister Edwin Lewis Cole wrote, Temptation can be tormenting, but remember, the torment of temptation to sin is nothing to compare with the torment of the consequences of sin. See, this is something that 
unbelievers don't realize that when God created the universe, he not only created what we call as physical or scientific laws like gravity. It doesn't matter how much faith you have. If you jump out of a three-story window thinking you're going to be able to fly, it's not going to happen and you're going to hit the ground. So also, he has set up what we shall say moralistic consequences of our sin. It is actually a gift that God gives us. Part of the problem of leprosy, for example, is that those who have leprosy do not have a feeling in various parts of their body. Therefore, they can be working on the stove and their hand can hit the burner and they don't feel it. But the consequences of the burn occur on their hand. It's burnt. The flesh is weakened. That's a lot of times what sin does. We may not feel the negative consequences of sin, but they do occur and they can cause sleepless nights. Remember when Cain was burning with anger toward his brother Abel? Abel had done a sacrifice that was appropriate and pleasing to the Lord. Cain's sacrifice was not. And the Lord even warned Cain. That's another example that God gives warnings to our sin. And when we ignore those warnings, bad things happen. When God spoke to Cain, he said this in Genesis 4, verse 7. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Unfortunately, Cain refused to turn away from his evil intentions, charged right ahead, and murdered his brother Abel. This pressure of temptation was nothing compared to the pressures that followed. For the Lord continued to say to Canaan in Genesis 4, verses 10 to 12, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Now, that is the anger of God coming to Cain. If only Cain had obeyed God when sin was crouching at his door. If only he had heeded the Lord's warning. Whenever we are planning to sin, we are on dangerous ground. And deliberate sin is even more damaging to our spiritual health than hasty sins, which are committed in the spur of the moment. 
a hasty sin would maybe you'd use a swear word when something happens that you were not expecting, maybe when you were driving or something at work or what a friend said to you and you swore. That was a hasty sin that you hadn't planned. But that is not as heated as sins where you plan them ahead of time. David wrote in Psalm 19, verse 13, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I can be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Now, who convicts us of our sin? Certainly God does, but it's the specific task of the Holy Spirit. And we receive that Holy Spirit either through faith in Jesus Christ by reading God's holy word or in baptism. Without this much needed conviction, we would never confess our sins to God and turn away from them. And that's a real problem that we're having in our country today where many people who used to attend church now have stopped attending church because it makes them feel guilty when they hear about their sins. Who's gonna tell me what's right or wrong? Because of evolution, people now decide their morality on the basis of their feelings, on their own thoughts or on their dreams. In John 16, verse eight, Jesus gives the task of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Apart from the Holy Spirit's conviction, each one of us would remain lost in our sin we would ultimately receive that sentence of eternal punishment for our sins as found in Matthew 25 and Mark 10. Hebrews 9:27 puts it this way, it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. We are very, very thankful that Jesus came to pay for our sins by what? His death on the cross. And that is what delivers us from our guilt, power, and eternal penalty of sin. Yes, we are rescued. It doesn't mean that your guilt will go away. Let's say that you have done a sin that bothers you because you hurt someone or went against the will of God. That guilt may remain with you until the day you die. But the promises of God is that he has delivered you from that sin and the eternal penalty of sin. You may still have secular consequences of your sin but eternally 
you are forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.15 Christ died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 puts it this way. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That word atoning comes from the word atonement. And, and kind of divide that word up, at one minute. In other words, when Jesus died for your sins, you become one with God. Not only the Father, but also the Son and the Holy Spirit. So 1 John 2 says, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, that's the message of the church. And that church message can bring people to faith. And when they come to faith, they no longer need to regard their works as the means of salvation. Because the only works that saved them were the works of Jesus Christ in his wonderful task of becoming a human being, of dying on the cross, in being raised from the dead, and ascending into heaven. What particular sins are putting pressure on your life today? Remember, God is willing to perform surgery on your soul and address those areas with his grace and power. What is his grace? His grace, like mercy, is similar. God is merciful to you in that he does not hold you responsible for your sins. He's merciful in taking away the punishment. He is gracious towards you in that he gives you gifts you do not deserve, such as the forgiveness of sins. And the greatest promise that was given to Abraham, a new home. And what is that new home? It will not occur here on earth. No, it is heaven itself that every believer will receive after they die. They receive it immediately in the spirit that goes to heaven to be with Jesus. And then they receive it on the day of judgment day when their bodies are raised from the ground or put back together no matter what happened to them and is rejoined to their spirit to leave, live forever with Jesus. So there is only one way to have your sins washed away, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ, which is a gift that comes about in holy baptism. As Peter says on the day of Pentecost, two things happen. 
when you receive baptism. You receive not only the gift of the Holy Spirit, but also the forgiveness of sins. And the forgiveness of sins becomes the means by which you receive the greatest promise that God has given to you. And that's a new home in heaven. So we in the church encourage people as John the baptizer did and as Jesus did in his ministry to repent of their sins, to recognize that we have gone against the will of God and it's our fault, but also to recognize that Jesus has washed away those sins, taken them away as far as the cross is from us. So turn to the cross and realize what Jesus has done for you. We thank Pastor Dan Delzell for a wonderful email about the restlessness of sin and the peace from God. We'll continue with these law and gospel points on Monday with another look at a passage for the following Sunday. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.